Everybody glad to be here tonight? Everybody smiling face? Or a frowning face, whatever. <clears throat> By the end of the night, we'll just put a smiling face on, right? Well, throughout the summer on Sundays and Wednesdays, we've not been teaching series of any kind. We've just been teaching different messages that I believe God has given me to, to share, just different ones each time. And, and um, even though uh, the last three messages on Sunday were just, it was the same, it was one message, four keys to overcoming the obstacles and the stuff in life, but it took me three Sundays to get out those four points, four keys. But tonight, I want to minister to you <clears throat> A message entitled, Heal the Sick. The title of my message tonight is, Heal the Sick. And we've talked this year a lot about two things. The great commandment, which is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And the great commission to make disciples. Well, Mark's account of the great commission was that and then some. And, and in Mark 16, I want you to turn there with me. We're going to look at just a few verses of Scripture that talk about the fulfillment of the sick being healed, the fulfillment of what was a part of the purpose that Jesus came to the earth, part of that purpose was to see, to see sick people well. And, and I'm going to start with Mark 16, starting with the 14th verse, and this is the end of his ministry, and then we're going to go to the beginning of his ministry. And, and kind of work our way back with just a few scriptures. But in Mark 16, and verse 14, it says, Later he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and their hardness of heart, because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, and he who does not believe will, will be condemned. And these signs shall follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick And they will recover. So, here's Jesus at the end, right before he's leaving. And part of the Great Commission was for everybody to get the fact that he came here not to be something that he already was. He was the Son of God sent. The Bible says He was sent to the earth. So He didn't come here 
and fulfill everything at the cross, go to the grave, be raised on the third day, spend 40 days on the planet, leave all these people and take off, go to the right hand of the Father and say, this whole thing is finished and now I'm the Son of God. That's not what he did. He was the Son of God. He left the riches and the glory of heaven to come to the poverty of the earth so that we could be rich in all things, that we could be empowered, in other words, in all things, that we could have what was on Him and what He brought from heaven to be not only in us but on us. That's what He came to do. And He said that those who, who believed in Him and believed in the reason that He came, so, so to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ is to believe that He came to, um, he came to exchange the poverty of the, this earth with the glory of heaven. See, because He took it all on Himself, and then He came here to exchange all that mess with you and I, so that you and I could be empowered and have something that's not just inside of us, but something that's on us. Part of that great commission was that if they believed, who's they? Who's they? Me. You. Are, are you a they? I'm going to ask you again, are you one of they? Okay. He said, and they, he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but if he... But but he who does not believe, in verse 16, will be condemned, and these signs will follow these people who believe in my name. They'll cast demons out. They'll speak with tongues. They'll take up serpents. They drink anything deadly. It won't hurt them. They'll lay hands on the sick, and the sick will recover. And Jesus said that was they. He was talking about me. Over 2,000 years ago, when he said that, when he said that and released that commission for mankind, he was talking about me, he was talking about you, he was talking about us, he was talking about all of humanity, that humanity would lay hands on the sick and the sick would recover. And there's a reason why. There's a reason why it's not, not you know, it wasn't, this wasn't given to us to create some you know, big circus show or whatever. It was created for us <clears throat> to be a part of us, to believe that it is a part of who we are. It's part of our makeup. Healing is part of your makeup. You're, you, you weren't created sick and you're trying to find healing. You were created well in Christ and sickness wants to take you out and wants to take you and I out. Sick people are everywhere. The, the healing business in the world is a multi, 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 multi billion dollar organization, right? Everybody say, thank God for doctors and medicine. Not against anybody. Not against anybody. Nothing. 
I mean, you know, when a, when a person goes to a doctor, do they go to a doctor hoping to get sick? No, they go to a doctor if there's symptoms in their body hoping that the doctor can help them and give them something to take the stuff off of them, right? So we're all on the same page. Everybody wants to be well. Have you ever met anybody that wanted to be sick? I'm not, I'm not saying somebody that maybe became accustomed to their symptoms and their disease and they learned to live with it and kind of profit from it. Now, I'm not talking about financially necessarily, but just profit from it and everybody feel bad for them and all those kind of things, you know. But really, they don't want to be in that situation because when they see well people, they'd rather be well than be sick. God created us to be. God created us well. Amen? And so, because there is sicknesses and there are diseases and there are things that attach themselves to people's bodies for certain reasons, there's a healing process. Jesus didn't leave the earth you know, miracles and manifestation of healings happened the whole time that he was here, and he didn't leave the earth and say, okay, now you're on your own. So, just follow with me. I'm just going to read a few scriptures. Matthew 4. Follow, follow with me on the screen so you can see them. Matthew 4, verse 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel, the good news of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of diseases, disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, and he healed them. Great multitudes followed him from Galilee, from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. Notice it said, great fame followed him. So what do you think would happen? What do you think would happen in your life if everybody you touched that was sick got well? Come on. Thank you for your answer. You should be touching a lot of people. But what would happen to your life? <laughs> They'd seek you out, right? You think that Channel 12 News from San Antonio might come to your house and do a documentary on you of why all these people are getting well because every time you touch them, they get well? You think that if it just continued to happen for the next two or three years that you could be even more popular than the next American Idol? I'm just asking you, do you think that could happen? So, if that's the case, and more sick people would come around your life, then why wouldn't we want to see sick people healed? See, because the commission was to heal the sick. It wasn't, the commission wasn't to talk to God about it. The commission was to take what He gave us, 
and do something with it. The Great Commission, everybody say great. Part of the Great Commission is to heal the sick. Now, if you think that you can heal anything without God, you're struggling. Because you couldn't heal nothing without God. With God, there's no end to what you can do and what you can accomplish through you because of who's in you and what's on you. Now watch. Just follow with me. Chapter 9 and verse 35. Then Jesus went about all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest, send laborers into the harvest. Isn't it interesting, that passage right there? We've always taken that. We've always taken that as, as laborers into the harvest to see people saved. But that was on the heels of healing the sick. Go back and read it when you got time. Chapter 12. And verse 9. And when he had departed from there, he went into their synagogue, and behold, there was a man who had a withered hand, and they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? <laughs> These people hadn't seen a miracle in 400 years, and they're going to ask some stupid question like that? Well, this guy's hand's been withered all these years, but... But, you know, we saw you do these other miracles and these things because they're following him around, and now they're going to ask a dumb question like, can you heal on Sunday or Saturday or whatever Friday or whatever day the Sabbath was? I don't know about you, but the fact that healing could manifest, I want it, right? And so they ask him this question that they might accuse him because it had to do with their law. And he said to them, What man is there among you who has one sheep, and if he falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not lay hold of it and lift it out? How much more value then is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. What an answer. Then he said to, man, said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and it was restored as whole, as the other, then the Pharisees went out and plotted against him how they might destroy him. Isn't it amazing how people can find something negative and wrong with everything? Man, amazing. Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4 and verse 40. 4 and 40. When the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick 
with various diseases, brought them to him, and he laid his hands on them. And every one of them, on, on, he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying out, saying, You're the Christ, the Son of God. And he, rebuking them, did not allow them to speak, for they knew that he was the Christ. That was part of the Great Commission. Cast out demons. All he was doing, all he was doing was performing acts that were an example of what he was leaving all of mankind to do and to follow and to walk out. Chapter 6 and verse 17. He came down with them and stood on a level place with a crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon who came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, as well as those who were tormented with unclean spirits, and they were healed. Verse 19, and the whole multitude sought to touch him, watch this, for power went out from him and healed him. They sought to touch him because there was something that was on him that they came after. Now, this is just me, okay? This is just me. I'm just telling you what I think about this. And and, and you can have a different idea, different opinion, different thought, but this is me. There's something about close proximity to another person. The Bible says there's no distance in the spirit realm, so you can pray and things can happen for other people, but there's something about close proximity to another person that what you have can affect their life if you believe what you have. I can't tell you how many times through the years when I knew something was going to change for someone else because of what was on me. And what's, what should be on us is a result of what's in us. What's in me is His anointing as a result of the Spirit of God inside of me that I've been born again of. And as a result of what's inside of me, it should be on me and it should affect the people around me. About um, well, the first time this happened was last December and I... I got a call on Christmas Day from, or actually I was just talking to my father on Christmas Day, wishing him Merry Christmas, and they were, he and my stepmom were in the hospital, and he was just telling me what had happened to her, and they weren't really sure that she was going to live, and so I said, okay, well, I'm coming, so about you know, trying to get an air flight, trying to get a flight and fly out and all that stuff. And my parents live in Las Cruces, New Mexico, which is straight across the no man's land. I-10 all the way to El Paso and 40 miles to the north. And so it's about a seven and a half, eight hour drive, or you could make it in six and a half. Anyway, but it's, it's a long drive. You, you understand what I'm saying? It's a long drive. So I just got in the car about 6 in the morning and I headed there. 
And, uh, and I picked up, uh, didn't I? Yeah, I picked up my sister at the airport. She's flying in from California, picked her up. And we drove, and we get there, other sister and brother's there, and they're kind of really upset and all this, you know. And I said, so what do they say? Well, she's, you know, she's going to die. She's going to die. But the whole time I was driving, and, this, and hear my point, you know, for six and a half, seven, seven and a half hours of driving, I had time to pray in the Spirit and get the mind of God on the situation. And all I know that the Spirit of the Lord said to me was, she, she's not going to die. She's not going to die. But I knew I had to be there. And when I walked into the hospital room, she looked like she's going to die. I mean, natural circumstances and everything looked like she was going to die. But I walked in there, and, and, and I didn't, you know, get rid of the unbelief and tell everybody to get out of there and me start, you know, doing whatever. I mean, unless God would have told me to do that, because God told Jesus to do that one time, and he did it one time, right? Everybody say one time. Only one time. See, where we screw it up in the church is that we try to do something that he did one time 900 times. And we get results two times out of 900 and the rest of the time it doesn't work. But all I knew is God just said, she ain't going to die. And I walked in there and I grabbed her hand and in four hours she was awake, alert, up, eating and the rest of the story. Still here, still talked to her yesterday, going and blowing, you know, doing all kinds of stuff. I mean, just boom, bounce back. Now, what was it? There's no question she'd be dead if I hadn't showed up. There's no question. She was dying. And something on me that was transmitted from me because of what's in me, okay? I'm not saying something that you can necessarily see, but I know that people at times have seen something, okay? It's not eerie and weird, and it doesn't have to be weird. It just has to be what it is. And, and if it was on, on Jesus, why in the world wouldn't it be on us if He came here to give it to us? See, if that's what his purpose was, and we realize he came here to give this to us, then surely, surely we can have what he says we can have. So the same kind of things can happen if we know how to hear him. I told you this not too long ago. Something I challenged you about in this year. Three things. Learn to hear the voice of God and what all that entails. Then do what he says and all that entails. And worry about nothing and all that entails. That's a full-time job. Amen? Acts 10 and verse 38. Well, let's look at verse 34. Here's people, people, Peter. Here's Peter preaching. It says, he opened his mouth and said, 
in a truth, I perceive that God shows no partialities, no respecter of person, no respecter of color, he's no respecter of age, he's no respecter of your, your gender, he's no respecter of where you were born, what nationality you are, no, he's no respecter of person. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is, a sec, is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, that the Lord, uh, that He is Lord of all. That word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea, and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. And you know what I can say? That word, like what Donna was saying earlier, that word that we've preached in Kerrville, and in Comfort, and in Centerpoint, and in Hunt and in, in Ingram, and in Junction, and in all the surrounding cities, okay? Because we've, through the years, had people from all these towns, and we've preached this word, and we're preaching it continuously, and we've been preaching it for 24 years, and we've been getting that stuff inside of people, okay? That, that word that, that was preached... And the word that we took from him and we've been preaching, okay? And God's no respecter of person. Watch. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Why? Because he was the Son of God. Did it say that? Huh? Did it say he was the Son of God? No, he was the Son of God. But he didn't heal him because he was the Son of God. He healed him because God was with him, right? And God was on him. And the same God in him, same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the same spirit now that lives inside of you and I to do the same works that he did and even greater works. All I'm saying is, what can happen the next opportunity that you have to do something that God tells you to do and be aware of it? And you step into it aware of it and just do what he says. Don't do anything else. Man, I'm telling you, when I first got born again, man, I was, I mean, I'd, I, I would read things like this and man, I was in, I was everywhere. I was everywhere. It was like I was omnipresent. I was everywhere at all times with all people except at home. I mean, I was laying hands and in hospital rooms and yelling and screaming and spitting all over kind of people and nurses and doctors and everybody. I mean, I mean, because I had a passion to see this thing work. But the problem is, it worked sometimes. And I didn't, I'm not saying that there wasn't multiple times that I believed and I saw things happen. But then I tried to do the same thing over and over and over and over again. You don't see, you see different accounts of the same thing that Jesus did, but you don't see Jesus ever spit in the dirt and rub the mud in someone's eyes to see their eyes. You never see him do that twice. Never did the same thing twice. You know why? Because we serve a creative God, and he wants you to come to him to get what you need to do to be anointed, and then when it's time for the anointing, to come off of you and in and on to other people that you do it the way he wants it done. 
not taken away from any procedure. It just better be from God. Hmm? It's like, I had a guy preach here years ago in our church from Joshua, Texas. And he said, he heard somebody that had raised another person from the dead. Well, Jesus raised people from the dead. I've heard many different people raise people from the dead. And he had heard people that had raised people from the dead. So he was at a funeral one time. He'd been born again for about a year. And he thought, well, if they did it, bless God. I mean, he disrupted the whole funeral service. Grabbed the guy out, the, the embalmed guy. And it doesn't matter. I mean, I've heard of people, they've been, been embalmed and life comes back to them. I mean, I'm just talking about what did God say, you know? He'd heard someone else do it, so he tried it. Jerked him up out of there, commanded him to live, and he just sunk back down on the ground. Picked him up again, three times, four times. And then they took him, I don't know what they did with him, you know? But he messed up the whole funeral. Because it won't work <laughs> if it's not from God. Amen? It won't work if it's not from God. So, Two more, two more verses, and I'm done. Will you give me three? Three, okay. Third John 2, we read this the other day. Our little John's in the back. Third John 2. Beloved, I pray... That you may prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers. Wait a minute. I want to read that in a different translation. Sorry about that. Third John two. Beloved, I wish above all things. I I wish above all things. My desire, in other words, above all things. This is God saying is that you prosper and that you be in health as what? Your soul prospers, as your mind is renewed, as you understand what health is really all about, what wholeness is really all about, and that all of that comes from God. And it comes and it begins. The beginning of the will of God for your life is in the wisdom of God. And what is the wisdom of God? The wisdom of God is what's extracted from the knowledge of God. If it says above everything else that His will is that you prosper and be in health, 
then you've got to figure those things out. When you hear that something is the great commandment, you need to be focused, and not on 48 other commandments that you're not even sure whether they apply to you today. You need the great commandment to love God with all your heart and understand what that means and to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Well, pastor, I'll love my next-door neighbor, but not so-and-so. Not what it means. Amen? Your neighbor's everybody but you. That's the great commission. That's what we need to be involved in. We have to be living in and, and, and applying it and developing it all the time. The great commandment, the great commission is what we read earlier and to make disciples. And, it, and if, we're to, if we're to be in a position for healing to flow from us, from God because of what's inside of us and then on us and flow from us to other people, then we've got to understand what that looks like. And he said, it's his will above everything else that you be in hell. So that means it's his will for, he's no respecter of person. It's his will for every human being on the planet to be in hell. No matter what it looks like that they have. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter the physical condition that anybody is in. It's God's will that all people be in hell. But if our soul doesn't prosper toward that, it won't just happen. That's what it said right there. Don't ever forget that. Amen? And then look at um, well, just look at Luke 10. We'll end with this. Luke 10 and verse 1. <clears throat> Jesus had called his disciples and appointed them. And after these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also. Verse, uh, chapter 10 and verse 1. And sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. He sent them two by two where he was going to go ahead of him. And verse 8 says... And he told them, whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you. Verse 9. And what? Say it with me. Heal the sick. Say it again. Heal the sick. Okay? It was, a, it was the commission. He, was, he commissioned them. Okay? It was like he was saying, okay, Dale, you and Dave... We're going to have a meeting in Junction. I want the two of you to go ahead, okay? And you go and spy the place out, find out what's happening there and the things that are going on and the people that are there, you know, and just love the people. And, 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 and if they offer you things to eat, just eat whatever they give you, you know? If they, if they offer before you squid, just eat the squid, amen? If they give you squirrel, eat the squirrel. It doesn't matter. I mean, just... You know, things that I don't really like. But, <clears throat> but, if, but that's why you went before so I didn't have to eat those. No, no but if, whatever they give you to eat, you know, you guys go before. And then, and then, as you're breaking bread with them, okay, you see the natural effect as you're breaking bread. And whatever they put before you, you're eating. And that, what that means is that you're accepting what they're giving you, okay? And if somebody's sick, heal them. 
physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, you know, in every way. Somebody's sick, heal them. That's what he commissioned them to do. That same commission is out here for us today. Our connect groups that we signed up and they're all, all just about full. In fact, we, have, we were going to have five, but now we've got seven because we had to add two to, on, on two of the different connect groups because there's so many signed up. So we've got a couple of spaces left. And, and who should they talk to? Just call the church office? Yeah. <clears throat> Just call the office tomorrow, and they'll sign you up to one of those if, if you're still interested in, in being part of the connect group. But, okay, what these connect groups are about what the vision is, is a relationship. And you get to know people and whatever your activity is and you just center some time once a month around an activity and you get to know people a little bit better with these groups, you know? And, and then, and, and, and part of the great commission is just allow your life to be, right? Let your life be a disciple of Jesus and let your life just naturally disciple other people. And if somebody's sick, heal them. That's what it said. And he's no respecter person, and he didn't do it for the 12, okay, disciples. And then when the last disciple died, then all healing stopped. No, he commissioned 70 right then. Right before he left the planet, he commissioned 70 others. And, and, and within just a matter of weeks, there were 5,000 that had been added to the church in a matter of weeks. See? And it's been going on ever since. And you were added, and I was added, and now the, and the great commandment and the great commission have never stopped. And, that, and part of the great commission is to heal the sick. But healing the sick is part of the overflow of your connection and your love for God. And a lot of times, it won't be how you think it would be. And it won't manifest and happen how you think it will. And you won't even find yourself doing whatever you would do to release the healing on somebody that needs to be well. You may not even, in the back of your mind, you may not have ever even thought about doing that until the moment. Because the healing, anointing, and the gifts of the God or as he wills them in the moment if we learn how to hear his voice and not just try to demonstrate something and cause something to happen to make because you know we we want people to know us you want people to follow you just heal the sick you don't even have to sing well you know american idol follow anyway you, you don't even have to sing while people will fight you. That's what you want people to follow you? I mean, whatever. You got a relationship with God and you heal the sick, you'll have a following. Hmm? And if it's all about the following, it won't last. You understand? If it's all about the following, it won't last. But you want people to follow you, you heal the sick, and they'll come from everywhere because people want to be well. Man, what we possess, oh my goodness, what we possess, all of heaven, living on the inside of us. And we can deliver heaven to people. Just look for the opportunities, man. Every day there's more than you could ever imagine. 
mission field in Kerr County alone is staggering. I mean, this, you can be a missionary to any continent on the planet, but the mission field in Kerr County is staggering. It's overwhelming. Amen. Father, tonight we just thank you for this word. I thank you that I'm talking to people that have been called and anointed to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cast out demons, to speak with other tongues, to have that anointing upon their life as a result of that anointing from within. And I believe every person that heard me tonight gained greater understanding because of the power of your word, because of the power of the preached word. There's a greater understanding that each one has just about being sensitive every day. Lord, I thank you. I praise you. I magnify your holy name. If you're here tonight, before we leave, so everybody, just everybody, keep your eyes closed just for a second, because I want you to just think about this. If there's something that's ailing your body. Just lift your hand. I don't even want you to stand up. Just, just lift your hand up. Something that's ailing, alien, <laughs> ailing your body. Something that's physically come against your your body right now. Your body, not somebody else's. This isn't standing in for someone else. Your body. Keep your hand up so I can see each and every one of you. Something has come against your body. Now, you just take your hand. I'm stretching my hand out. And you stretch your hand toward my hand. And I'm going to walk across the front of here. And I'm praying for you right now. Okay? Father, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. In the name that is above every single name. The name above every sickness. The name that is above every disease. We exalt right now. And I say that whatever has come against or has attached itself or is just ailing their physical bodies in whatever way, shape, or form, I declare that whatever that symptom is has to bow the knee to the name above that name. And you apply that name to the name of Jesus and you from here on out begin to thank God that you are healed. Because you are. You are the healed. And sickness has no place, infirmity has no place in your physical body. And I declare right now that by His stripes, you are healed from this ailment, whatever it is. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Okay? Now see, this is what I did. When I walked in here tonight, I knew what I was going to preach. And I said, Lord, if you want me to pray for people, you show me what to do. And I, and I wasn't telling him. 
I was, I was explaining to him or saying to him what I believe he had shown me. And, and, or what I was teaching tonight is what he showed me. And so he showed me what I was to teach. And then I opened myself up for him to show me if I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to as a result of that, follow through with praying for anybody that has ailments. Well, as I was preaching, I heard him say that. Don't lay hands on anybody. You just have him stretch your hand towards your hand. And in Jesus' name, they're well. Okay? You receive that. You receive that. But you also receive the wisdom that goes with that in anything that God shows you to do to see the total completion of that. See, it was completed 2,000 years ago. But many times, and we even see in Jesus' ministry a couple of different times where people didn't get well or there was a progress of healing. So something may happen instantly, something may be progressive, and there may be something God reveals to you that you have to do to see all of that manifested. You understand? But you are healed. Can you say amen today?